0: In 2022, the Asian Development Bank Institute is observing the 25th anniversary of its founding as the Asian Development Bank's Tokyo-based think tank under the theme Towards Sustainable and Inclusive Economic Development in Asia and the Pacific. In this episode of Asia's Developing Future, a University Professor Naoyuki Yoshino, ADBI Dean from 2014 to 2020 and a longtime finance official for the government of Japan, discusses ways to effectively translate innovative policy research into government action. He draws upon his experience as chair of the Group of 20s think-tank engagement group, the Think20, during Japan's 2019 G20 presidency. He goes on to explain how policy researchers can leverage their work to boost economic recovery in Asia and the Pacific. Hi, Professor Yoshino. Welcome to Asia's Developing Future. To begin, can you explain the biggest challenges researchers now face in realizing the uptake of their economic policy ideas by governments?
1: Many countries are facing with similar kind of difficulties. After the COVID-19, many countries are facing budget deficits. Social welfare spending is increasing. The common topic in all of Asia is how to tackle increasing deficits. And then another is country-specific topic. So each country or each region will have different issues, then research institute, ADBI, has to pay attention to them. It is always important to look at the real world and what kind of policies they are facing with. Then each researcher or each group of the researchers can connect their research topic, their real problems, if they match very well. Then they can produce good theoretical model and empirical model, which can tackle the current issues and new policy proposals can be created. Based on your experience, what can research institutions and experts do to address these challenges? What works and doesn't work? Researchers, based on their specialty, can tackle various problems for various countries. Each researcher has their own background. For example, myself, I'm interested in monetary and fiscal policy. Some researcher may be interested in labor policy, environmental policies. Each researcher has their own specialty and background. Then we can approach to policymakers in various countries in Asia. Then we can come across what kind of policies they are facing with. Can you give us an example? When I started at the Dean of ADB Institute, I found out infrastructure investments are very important in Asian region. Then my specialty is finance. So I approached infrastructure investment from infrastructure finance side. Then when I was visiting several countries, many of them are interested in green policy or environmental issues. Again, I tackled those policies from green finance based on my background. Then I found out we can come up with different conclusions from the past. For example, in infrastructure investment, the biggest problem is low rate of return. So I proposed spillover tax return to infrastructure operators and infrastructure investors. And for green finance, I found out definition of ESG or SDGs are different from one to another. Then I came up the theoretical model and NPD analysis that differentiated rules and definitions of ESG, SDG. So the best policy is either taxing greenhouse gas or unified, globally, identical credit rating for each company. You were dean when ADBI chaired the THINK20
0: during Japan's G20 presidency in 2019 and have worked with the T20 in the ensuing years. The THINK7 under the Group of Seven is now emerging and there are other policy research forums too. How important are these channels for
1: sparking government research innovation? T20, Think Tank 20, was held in 2019 in Tokyo when G20 was organized by Japanese government. How to tackle aging population, that was one of the topics. I have assigned a various research institute in Asia region to lead those aging population. That is a big problem in China, Korea, Japan. Then KDI, Korean Development Institute in Japan, has coordinated those topics. And T20 is defined from G20 or G7. G20 and G7 are all politically oriented, but T20 was based on evidence and theoretical and empirical analysis. Sometimes, different conclusions can be obtained because they are using different data or different theoretical models. but G7, G20, they have to have unified conclusion. What more can be done to leverage the T20, T7, and other forms to achieve real-world results? I think G20 and T20, we often discuss each other. However, some of the proposals of G20 can be further analyzed by think tanks. And that is a little bit lacking right now. G20 proposals can be created, then go to implementation. And in the stage of implementation, I think either theoretical or empirical analysis has to be supported to pursue those G20 policies. Proposals currently G20 is making proposals and G20 takes some of those proposals, but they are not matching each other. So in future, I think G20 should look at economic policy proposals made by G20, analyzed again by G20, and how to implement it and what would be the obstacles and so on. That step will be needed in future. Can you share one or more examples of how policy research helped
0: to kickstart policy innovation in a region?
1: Yes, I would like to touch upon two topics. One is small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs. In many countries in Asia, SMEs are dominating in its in-production output. However, SMEs are difficult to borrow money from banks because they are much riskier than large companies and they don't have accurate financial accounts. And SMEs' financial statements are not trustable. Then how could we obtain accurate data from SME? and started to have credit risk analysis. And the data started to be collected by Credit Guarantee Corporation of Japan. And then thousands of data can be collected. So even small and medium-sized enterprises, if we have huge amount of data set, we can analyze their characteristics. Then it is possible to obtain their default risks and also the credit rating of SMEs. And second example, and another example is crowdfunding and startup businesses are very difficult to raise money. In the United States, they have venture capital market, so startup businesses can raise fund. However, in Asian region, those kinds of venture capital are not growing very rapidly. Hometown crowdfunding is one of the ways to mitigate the obstacles to raise money. In Japan, Vietnam, and Cambodia, people contribute small amount of money to start businesses. And then the startup businesses can open the restaurant or produce their own products. If their products are very good, the company can grow. Borrowers and lenders are living in the same community and borrowers who started their own business has to work very hard. They cannot just give up their borrowed money. So I think those kind of community-based startup finance is very suitable for Asian region.
0: What kinds of policy research do you think could offer the biggest breakthroughs for Asia
1: economies in today's environment? I think the biggest topic is income disparities. Rich people are growing and lower income people remain in lower level. So I think it is very important to tackle how to integrate and distribute growth to everybody. One of the remedies to mitigate those income disparities is proper tax collection proper tax payment can mitigate the income disparity. I think education to everybody will be very important. In the past, people in the large cities will become much better. Education and skills development have been increased. Then they can have much more opportunities for better jobs. Digital education can be possible after pandemic. If the best teacher can teach and students can listen to those lectures through mobile phone. Whether they are living in a large city or remote area or island, they can access the best teaching in the country. And those kind of remote education and easy access to everybody will become the mitigation of human capital development. So I think remote education can contribute to long-term human capital development and that can mitigate the income disparities between urban region and rural region.
0: What next steps should the policy research community take to advance their work to revive economic growth and development in the region?
1: I think economic growth consists of four factors. One is capital stock, machinery, then labor, infrastructure, and TFP technological progress. So there are four important components in economic growth or production. And higher quality labor can produce much more output compared to lower human capital. Infrastructure sells their products from one place to another. Internet can connect sellers and consumers. And lastly, TFE, total factor productivity. So I think those are the four important components on economic growth. And as I mentioned, technological progress is also important. And engineers have to work together with the market. And also, they have to pay attention to what consumers, Consumers like them, consumers demand, and then suppliers supply, they can be matched each other. So in order to keep economic growth in Asian region, I think human capital development and technological progress in machinery and infrastructure investment, those are the key factors for continuous growth. Everybody has to be able to gain the fruits of the economic growth so that they can also increase their consumption. That will bring further expansion of growth.
0: has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute. For more information about us, visit adbi.org.